everybody, and welcome to the very first, hopefully not the last, Get It Greenlit podcast show. Now, you may be wondering, what is that? Well, this is a show that celebrates stories and the people that tell them. And when I say story, I mean really almost any kind of story. Uh, Ideas for film, a movie, a TV show, even a stage play. If you have an idea for something like that, I want to hear it. Um, I created this podcast mainly because I myself like telling stories like that, but I also love hearing them. Now, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a writer by any means whatsoever. I'm just somebody that I can sit down and I can watch a movie or a TV show, and if it's a good one, it'll inspire me, and I will become inspired to think, you know, maybe that's something I can do, or, you know, that makes me think of something that I want to try and put on paper and when I first started out, eventually turn this into a film. As we discuss these, and in this first episode, I'm just going to discuss a few of the things that I've done in the past, a couple of the stories that I had written starting out. You're going to see that they were drawn up usually within the bounds of whatever resources I had available. That's kind of the way that I started thinking of ideas, because my initial thought was, I'm going to turn this into a film. And so when it was written, it was written in, you know, but maybe an apartment setting or a or a house setting, something that I knew I'd have immediate access to and I could easily film. As time went on, I kind of got away from that, and you'll see maybe in future episodes with some of the other stories and scripts that I that I have to talk about, it it really kind of expands. I I do away with all of those bounds, and I don't don't try to limit it on what I think I would be able to film because at this point, I don't have the resources or the time to really be able to do that. It's more I want to talk about the idea. I want to I want to think it up and and eventually maybe you know put it to paper. I would discuss ideas and things like this almost daily with uh, my cousin. He loves to do the exact same thing. We would text and you know talk about stuff like this almost on a daily basis. And that's where some of these ideas would would come up and and you know we would start to develop them and and it it just became really enjoyable talking about it. And I thought there's got to be other people out there that do this exact same thing. And so that's really why this was created, was I I want to be able to create a show where anybody can come on. And that that's, we'll talk about this later, that is the format of this show, is in all future episodes, I would like to feature one of you, one of you to be on the podcast with your story and tell it to me and everybody else that's listening. Because to me, that's just, it's enjoyable, I love to do it, and the ideas that people have that they are unable to share with others for whatever reason. I wanted to create something to where people would have a chance or a platform to come out and, and tell those stories. And, you know, even if they know that it'll never be made into a film or a television show or a stage play, at least they can get the idea out there and tell the story. And that's really what the the purpose of this podcast is. And, you know, I titled it Get It Greenlit because, you know, Hopefully, in the future, as more and more people begin to listen to this, you never know. Maybe there is a you know, filmmaker out there who loves making films but has a tough time coming up with the idea. Well, maybe he's listening and hears your idea and contacts you, you know. And at that point, maybe your story or idea can come into, uh, can come into form, can become a film or a television show or whatever it may be. So I'm not going to say that that will happen. <laughs> it may never happen, but I'm just saying I, I wanted to create a, a show or a podcast that, you know, rather than me sitting here talking about my ideas or getting trying to get industry professionals, you know, people that do it for a living, you know, that 
the, the podcast doesn't matter to them. You know, they're going to, their story is going to get heard by whoever because, you know, they're in the industry. This is for people that come up with the idea and, you know, put it on paper or whatever, and they just want the story to be heard. And so I want to, you know, when I have you on, I want to hear, you know, what was the inspiration behind the story? You know, what what made you want to tell this story? Because that, to me, is the most important thing of any movie or anything that you watch, even in the, you know, the visual form, it all started out on paper. It all started with an idea. And usually there's an inspiration behind that idea. And to me, that's what I want to try to expose and what I'm, I'm most interested in and hearing from you. And then also, of course, hearing your story and, and stepping through it. So when you do come on the show and you tell the story, it doesn't need to be in a scripted form or a final draft type of form. It doesn't even have to be on paper. You know, I will say having a somewhat thought out idea of, you know, maybe a beginning, a middle and an end would be good. Um, just coming on with an idea of, I want to make a, I have an idea to do something with robots. You know, we might not be able to expand on that too much, but you know, if you've got a conceptualized idea, come on and let's talk about it. I am not here to advise or, or poke fun of or anything like that. I'm just here to listen. You know, I'll ask questions if I have questions. Um, if you're coming on here to try to develop the story, you know, we can definitely do that through if I have questions or comments or anything like that. But, you know, mainly this is just your chance to come on and tell the story um, to me and, and anyone listening. And so that's really what the uh, the ultimate idea was behind the, the creation of this uh, of this podcast. So now that you know why it was created um, and kind of the format that I'm hoping to go with. In this first episode, as I said, there is no guest. It is just me. Um, I am going to share with you one of the, really the very first story that I ever w- completed from beginning to end. Um, there's a couple that I'll touch on before I get to that the, of ideas when I first kind of started getting into, um, you know, wanting to write down my ideas for things like a, a movie or a television show, but they never fully developed or I just never carried through with them. But I will conclude with the pretty much the very first story that I ever scripted from the beginning to end and actually did get made into a film. Uh, one of my my cousin actually um, made this into a, a short film. I wasn't involved in the filmmaking process, but I did help try to draft up a, uh, a story for him to use. And so it's not great. Um, the, the story itself, you're going to see that it was a first time um, my first time really telling a story from beginning to end, but you know what? That's, that's how you get better. Everybody's first story is, it might be a little rough around the edges, but again, that is not the point of this show. The point is not to get horrible stories on here and everybody laugh and make fun of them because even some of the worst stories out there and probably one that's relevant to the time, uh, the room, if you've ever seen that movie or heard about that story, uh, they believe they're making a movie later this year about it, about the making of it. Um, but that was written by a pretty eccentric fella, a human being, Tommy Wusso. And, you know, I, from what I understand, it was his dream to, uh, to make a movie. He's, I think right now actually in fashion and design and things like that, but it was, it was his passion to, to make a movie. And, you know, I mean, it, passion being he spent a lot of money on it. I mean, he did he did everything pretty much himself. He directed it, he starred in it, he wrote it. But it's not the greatest piece of of film in history. Um it, the story's a little hard to follow. The filmmaking is, you know, less than perfect, but 
in the end, and I have a feeling the movie that they're making about it later this year, it's a James Franco film. I have a feeling they're going to take the funny route and really, you know, touch on his, how eccentric he is and, and all that kind of stuff. But what I really hope they would dive into is there's a really fascinating story there that, I mean, this was this guy's passion. So even though it's not great and there's plenty of films in history that are not great, that's still somebody's story that they're wanting to try and tell. And so, you know, as much as we all like to, to rag on bad movies and bad stories and that sort of thing, I want to just remind you again, that is not the purpose of this podcast. And, you know, eventually if other people listen, I'm sure that there's comment sections on every social media site or wherever this will be posted and that sort of thing. So, I mean, there will be probably comments of people not saying nice things about the stories of of people that come on here to say it, but, you know, I will encourage anyone listening or who feels the need to comment to, you know, just keep in mind that this is somebody's story that they are wanting to tell. They were inspired to do this in the first place, and, you know, that's what we're going to talk about on here. And so, um, you know, and it's a form of art, so not everyone's going to see it the same way. So with that being said, so you may be asking, you know, in the future, how will you get on the show or how will you come on here to tell your story? And really, there's at the end of the show and in the description, wherever you're watching this, if it's SoundCloud or or listening to this, if it's SoundCloud or YouTube, there's going to be links to all the social media sites that I um, am set up on. You can contact me through any of those. um, Email, getitgreenlit at gmail.com. Um, any of those forms of contact and just say, hey, I've got a story. I'd love to come on and talk about it, and I'll do everything to uh, to get that set up. Now, I'll be using a podcasting software to where it will sound like we are. I'm not using Skype or anything like that. Um, it will sound like we are in the same room or the same studio recording side by side, but of course you'll be able to do it from the comfort of your own living room or bedroom or wherever you're going to do it from um, using this software. And it's completely free to you there uh you don't have to set up any accounts with anything i'll send you a link and basically you will click on that link and it will provide you access to the application that is going to record and essentially what it does is it i record my side of the audio on my computer it'll automatically record on your side um, with your audio and then at the very end it'll automatically upload it to a cloud where i can then uh, take both pieces and put them together to use the software, um, obviously you got to have some kind of input. If you have a USB microphone, you know, any kind of a USB microphone, they have some pretty cheap ones on Amazon that can sound just fine for the purpose of podcasting and things like that. If you have one of those, that'll be perfect. That will give the best sound possible. If you don't, and I realize not everyone does just have microphones laying around, but there um, is a mobile capability to it. So when you do contact me, if you'd let me know if you have a microphone and plan on using that or if you don't if you have a smartphone i we can um go ahead and use that and it will provide some pretty decent audio um to allow us to have you on the podcast and and you know make it sound good for the people listening to it so again contact me on any social media sites uh email anything like that if you put it in the comments of of uh, one of the episodes i'll check those but you know, I hope it doesn't get overlooked, but again, you know, if I, if you don't hear back from me, I'll try to respond to anybody that, that requests to come on the show. But if you don't hear back from me, keep, um, keep commenting, keep, uh, sending me messages because of course, you know, I want to have you on the show. That's, what's going to keep this show going is by every episode featuring a new person with their idea and, and wanting to tell their story. And so that is how you can get on and that's how we will keep the show going. So going back to um, this story that I first wrote, this was back in about 2011, but before I get to that one, 
I'm going to go back to probably about 2004, 2005. Now that was when I first, um, when I graduated high school and first started college and got out on my own, that's really when the first, um, I got the first kind of itch to start thinking, you know, when I would go see a movie or something like that, thinking, Hey, I could, I would see a movie and I would say, Hey, that really inspired me. Maybe there's a story somewhere, you know, that I haven't somewhere inside of me that I haven't explored before that I can, you know, find and, and work and develop. And again, that happened back in probably about 2004. Um, I guess really the, the inspiration behind the very first one that I ever thought, and these these first two that I'm going to mention, I'm not going to go into detail really at all because um, there's really nothing about them. They were never developed other than just a broad idea of what they could be. Um, but the very first one was just, I think it was going to be a romantic comedy. And for the time, that was pretty standard in what Hollywood was putting out. But the inspiration behind that is when we first, uh, me and my sister both moved to a different town for college and we got an apartment. And so made our parents feel a whole lot better, you know, that we weren't completely out on our own just yet. We were still together, but we didn't have cable in the apartment. And so I think we were walking through Walmart. First couple of weeks, we were we were in the um, in the new city together. And we were walking through Walmart and we had a TV and a DVD player at home. And I think I saw on a, you know, a rack for nine or 10 bucks with one of the, I think it was season three of uh, the television show Friends. And neither one of us had watched that at home. Of course, we had heard of the television show, but we'd never watched it. And I thought, hey, let's grab this. And of course, you know, I grabbed season three. I think it was the only one on sale. Of course, I'm not going to start with season one, but grabbed season three. We went home. I think we watched that probably three or four times over and over and over before we finally decided, hey, we should probably go out and get you know, maybe a couple more seasons or start from the beginning, kind of work our way forward. But for the longest time, Friends was really what we watched on a daily basis. And I would say probably was the inspiration behind um, that first idea I had of making some sort of a romantic comedy. And if I'm trying to remember, I want to say I even probably pegged or I even wrote it in mind with uh, pegging Jennifer Aniston as being one of the the lead role for the female in the, in the story. But honestly, I, I can't remember a whole lot about it. I think, you know, it was going to be one of those he likes her, but she doesn't know it until the very end type of, you know, cliche movies. And for some reason, I want to say that I started writing it with him being in the like a worker in the circus. I have no idea where that came from or why I started out with that idea, but I just, for some reason, I don't have it on paper anywhere. I think I started to type it, but I think it was on an old laptop that got thrown away. But I, you know, for some reason, I remember something about the circus, but that's as far as that one got. Um, I just, I think I lost interest in it and really had nowhere to go with it or really realized that it was just going to turn into a normal cliched type of a movie. So I didn't really develop it any further after that. Uh, shortly after, though, about, oh, I'd say six or seven months later, I kind of had an idea. I think I went and saw, uh, maybe for a college class, like a history of music theater class. So we had to go see a musical. And I saw that, and that was really one of the first, outside of you know high school and stuff, stage plays that I saw, kind of a professional um, stage play, stage production. And I really enjoyed that and came back home and thought, you know, you, just because you write something doesn't mean it always has to end up on the screen or on, you know, on the big screen at a theater. I thought maybe I could write something more along the lines of of a uh, stage play or a musical. And at about that time, a I listened to country music. I'm in the Midwest, so that's what we do. But uh, I listened to country music, and one of the bands had um, 
played a cover of Walking in Memphis. I don't know if anyone has heard that song, but it is, uh, I looked it up, and I, it was originally sung by, I think, Mark Cohn, probably how you pronounce his name. Um, but a lot of people have done a cover of it, but it was a great song. I, their version was the first time I'd ever heard it, and I listened to that song over and over and over again, and it kind of became the inspiration behind, I was going to start writing a musical based on this. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard the song. I actually, back then, looked up to see, you know, what what was the um, inspiration behind the lyrics, and it was actually, I looked it up as I was starting to write the musical, and the musical itself was going to be about, um, if you listen to the song, it's about a guy stepping off a plane into Memphis and just kind of learning about the entire blues culture of Memphis. And so my initial thought when I was listening to the song was, okay, we're going to have a young musician, a blues artist, he's going to come into Memphis and it's going to become one of those coming of age, you know, he finds himself and, you know, finds out actually how difficult it is to become a blues musician. And, you know, we have all that kind of stuff. And, and I was going to write it as a musical and use that song as the finale to the first act. That was going to be the whole, (laughs) that was the grand idea behind it. And so, you know, I started doing that, but again, that was one, I don't know if I just lost interest in it or it fell by the wayside and, you know, I, I don't have anything on paper for it again, but it actually, I don't remember how many years ago, um, the movie came out, but it was, uh, Inside Lewin Davis, the Coen brothers movie that came out several years ago. Um, that pretty well covered, I think everything I was going to cover in that musical <laughs> and probably did it a lot better than I would have. But is you know that's that was kind of the um, second time that I really start. I was going to start writing something down for an idea and really start to develop it, and um, but it just it never happened. And again, that was like I said, coming up on probably thirteen, fourteen years ago now. So after that, kind of took a, a hiatus from uh, writing. I guess you could say. You know, I finished college. I got a full time job. Uh, later on, got married, started a family, so all of that was happening. I was still seeing movies. I actually saw probably more movies than ever, and so, you know, the ideas and the inspiration behind, you know, I I want to try and make one of these one day or write one of these, I never really went away, but, you know, everything else just kind of got in the way. Then in about 2011, uh, into 2011, early 2012, was when I kind of got back into it again. I'd been texting my cousin, and we have a local film festival where we live, and um, they have a short film division, and so I kind of got with him. For some reason, I just thought, hey, we need to think of something and maybe even, you know, even try to develop. There there was a screenwriting part of, uh, in the competition, and that was my initial thought was, let's just write a script and enter it in that. But eventually, like I said, the film did get made um, and entered into the competition. I don't, it didn't win anything. I don't know how well it did at all. Actually, I think it was actually entered in a different competition, not that specific film festival, but... I was kind of my initial idea was let's, you know, let's maybe write something and uh, and enter it into this. And so we started um, kind of tossing around ideas. Nothing was really sticking. And when I talk about inspiration and being an inspiration behind every story, which I really think that there is, I think the inspiration for this one, for me at least, was it's a short film competition. Uh, we need to develop a short film. And... It's just from everything that I've read and everything that I know and short films that I've watched, you know, you got to be able to grab the attention right at the beginning and hold it for the next two, three, four, five minutes, however long you decide to make the uh, the film. And, you know, there's not a lot of time for character development or building these big character arcs or, you know, 
getting getting the audience really attached to uh, to anybody they see on the screen. It's really got to be all about the story and all about you know sometimes really the gimmick of what you're going to do to grab them and and hold their attention, and make it a a worthwhile short film. And so that was, I guess, probably my inspiration behind coming up with an idea for uh, for this movie. It, and it's in the name of the film ended up being called Dirty Pool and the filmmaker actually decided on that name. I I'm terrible with titles. Anything that I've actually written since does not have a title. It just says, you know, untitled screenplay or work in progress or, you know, whatever. So, um the, it was titled Dirty Pool and it was actually a very good name for the for the movie itself, but uh the inspiration behind it like I said really just comes from I tried to think of a story that in you know in my head was going to last probably about three or four minutes and would just kind of grab everybody from the beginning and and hopefully try to keep their attention and keep them trying to figure out what's going on all the way through to the end and you know just in the usual scheme of it putting some kind of a twist at the end you know to to really make it pay off so ultimately with these and what I'll do with this uh when I talk about this story and, and for the format down the road is kind of the way I, I, I think we should start is, you know, as I'll ask whoever the person is telling the story, maybe kind of give us just a brief kind of an overview, I, I kind of a, uh, like a verbal trailer basically, and just kind of tell us, you know, what's the synopsis, you know, don't give away the whole story. If, if you could, if you're writing it with with it being a movie in mind, if you could put together a trailer for it, basically, just kind of give us, you know, that real quick of a verbal overview of what the what the movie is, and then we'll dive in and and actually talk about, um, you know, walk through all the major plot points of the movie. So with Dirty Pool, I guess I could say if I'm going to do a verbal trailer for it is, you know, it would it would probably flash up on screen or at the beginning or at the end or whatever, is I would probably put something like trust no one or or um you know something along the lines of you think you can trust somebody but can you type of a thing and really what this is is it involves um three people and it, i guess you could look at it as it being some sort of a love triangle but um so i guess again the trailer a verbal trailer in the sense you know you think you can trust everyone but can you and then have a few shots of um it involves robbery I guess you could throw in something about a love triangle in there and uh, just kind of it it would almost in a sense create utter confusion for the person watching it. Now I I know that's exactly what every storyteller wants to do, but that that's kind of what this was because and again, this is not a great short story by any means. You will definitely hear the reasoning as to why this was my very first one I ever wrote. Um, there's going to be plenty of issues with it, but it, the whole goal of this, so I guess the verbal trailer would be just really for anybody watching it to be kind of gripped with the, uh, with the sense of, I think I know what's going on, but I really have no idea. And so <laughs> that was, that was the, uh, attempt. And I think especially with hearing feedback from the filmmaker, because I, the film didn't exactly follow the script, but I think I accomplished the goal when it came to, uh, <laughs> creating utter confusion with it because it was hard to follow and I'm going to try and do my best as we talk through it here to kind of explain um you know where the little twists and turns are and and the subtleties that I wrote into it that I would hope people would see if they were watching it 
Um, and if you're listening to it, you know, of course I'll, I'll point those out, but, um, that was kind of my, uh, my goal. It was going to be a little more artistic than, than anything, but in the end, and I'll get to this at the very end, I summed it all up with an ends credit ending credit scene. So really everything that I tried to do in the story, I just assumed everyone was probably too dumb to understand. And so at the end I wrote a credit scene that kind of wrapped everything up, but, uh, and I don't think that ever got put into the final film, but um, that, that just shows you the, why, again, why this was the very first one that I ever wrote from the beginning to end. But so this movie, Dirty Pool, so it starts out and it, I'm going to kind of give you visuals too, so you can kind of visualize it in your mind. Um, I know it's not the formal way to write a script, but I put in, you know, shot styles and things like that. Um, things obviously that would be left up to a, a director and a filmmaker, to uh, determine themselves, but I put them in there because at the time I didn't know if I was going to try and make this myself, and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I didn't forget those types of things and, and that I kept them in here. But I started it out with, uh, I wanted a split screenshot, and it was going to be of a woman on one side of the screen entering an apartment door and on the other side of the screen exiting. And I even wrote in here, I think that when she was entering the apartment, she, or I'm sorry, exiting the apartment, she had a sweater on. And when she was entering the other apartment, she was carrying it on her shoulder. So you could see that, oh, okay, this is two different times, you know, and why does she have a sweater on here? Why doesn't she have a sweater on there? Um, but that's the way that it starts out. It kind of does that Why it, it does some um, introductory credits. Um, then after that, it was a kind of a rough, you know, jump cut straight to a alarm clock at, I think I put 5.59, cuts to 6 o'clock, and then the um, radio starts playing, you know, as as the alarm wakes up, whoever the person is sitting there. And it's a newscaster on the radio, um, kind of giving you the top of the hour news. And it's talking about a bank that had just been robbed. And I think I put at the beginning, yeah, I put in there that this was the third one in as many days. So at this point, this is now the third bank robbery. Um, and I, the, the uh, newscaster goes on to detail that the person was impersonating a police officer and that they were showing their badge to gain entrance into vault areas where they would then apparently be left alone for whatever reason. And they were able to rob the bank of, I think usually it was somewhere around fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. So you know, not a not a one of those big robbery shows where they make away with hundreds of thousands of dollars. But again, he's not just ripping off the teller line either. This guy was actually going in behind the behind the vault and you know, not visually robbing them, but um, you know, kind of stealing it quietly. I guess I could say, which doesn't always end up being the case because later on in this, when there's another robbery, I say that the newscaster says that the, he showed a gun. And so, um, I don't know why I did that, but, uh, again, that's why it was the first. So it will show that. And as that newscast is playing, I put that the camera slowly pans down and we see a woman laying there sleeping. It's the same woman from the, uh, opening credit scenes. And, um, there's a police badge laying on the nightstand next to her. And so as that newscast finished talking, I have it fading out and so you kind of just get the, I put the bug in the, in the head of people watching that, okay, we just had someone rob a bank, they were impersonating a police officer, and by showing a fake badge, and here you've got the woman laying there with the fake, with, with a badge laying next to her. So it picks up the next scene, um, another split screen. So I kind of had, I went with a style, I guess, of a split screen uh, format here so that you could kind of tell at the same time to me in my mind it was it's a short film you're only going to get you know three or four minutes to tell it using a split screen effect you can almost kind of tell 
two stories at once. You're not having to cut back and forth and, and use so many cuts, you know, that you're going to confuse people any more than this probably already did. But, um, and the filmmaker who did make this actually did use that split screen, uh, style. So, um, I was glad to see that that, uh, you know, that paid off and, and that, uh, that was the way they ended up making it. But it shows uh, two men at this point in the split screen. Both of them are having breakfast. One's name is Thomas. One is Greg. Uh, two very, you know, ambitious names there I chose for my characters. Um, one of them is in a Greg's apartment. It's a dark, you know, the shades are shut. Everything's real messy. He's kind of a scraggly looking guy. Um, then you have Thomas, who's in more of a very clean looking, very well lit apartment. He's got a suit on. But they're both sitting there eating. I think I even wrote something in here like Thomas is eating a healthy breakfast. You know, he's got some eggs and fruit or whatever. And Greg's eating cereal from a mixing bowl. So (laughs) really trying to establish that you got two guys kind of here on opposite sides of the spectrum. It cuts to a full screenshot of Greg answering his cell phone while he's eating. And he's talking to his partner. And they're talking about we need to change things up. Um, they're focusing on the east side of town now. They're getting smart, and or they're smart, and they're getting smarter. Kind of trying to do some inconspicuous dialogue there to where somebody listening, you know, wouldn't know. Okay, obviously they're, you know, what are they talking about at this point? Because you really have no idea at that point. And then it cuts to Thomas, and he's on his cell phone, and he's saying, oh, okay, we're going to do the east side. They're going to change things up a little bit. I like it. Is there anything else? Cuts back to Greg, and he says all right, I'm going to head out now, be careful out there, that type of a thing, makes it very much seem like they're talking to each other. And so if someone's watching or if you're listening right now, that's the point is that you're supposed to think that they're talking to each other. And really at this point, not supposed to know what they're talking about. Really, I was trying to emphasize the talking about like the east side of town and that sort of thing and that we need to change things up so you could think that, you know, is this a bank robber talking and he thinks that the police, you know, are maybe going to focus more on the east side because that was the last place we robbed. Because I think in that very beginning part, the newscaster was talking, it was they robbed like an east side loan, savings and loan or something like that. So that was really the the idea was to get the, you know, the audience thinking, OK, are we dealing with the cops here or are these two guys the robbers or, you know, what is what's the deal? And so the next shot was uh, an exterior shot of the outside of their apartment. It was another split screen shot. It actually shows them leaving, I suppose, um, uh, you know, from the previous scene where they both kind of hung up. This shows them leaving um, on the split screen as they walk away, both kind of push their jacket out of the way or whatever to put their keys in their pocket. And it's revealed that both of them are carrying a police badge. And so at this point, someone watching would go, okay, so they were the police officers talking. But if anybody's paying attention, when the newscaster said their person is impersonating a police officer to rob the bank, you think, okay, or are they the robbers now? <laughs> you know, that was my idea with it. it was really to keep the suspense going and, and keep everybody guessing. Cause again, that was the, the inspiration and the goal behind this was to, uh, to do that. So the next shot after that, it's, uh, it's the back to the apartment bedroom again. It's the five fifty nine. It cuts over to six and all of a sudden the newscaster comes on and she's talking about it. Another bank robbery. So this side, and again, I'm reading, I'm looking at the script right now, so I'm reading the dialogue that I wrote for the newscaster to say, and it's important when I talk about the direction. So this time I have that she is talking about the west side location was robbed yesterday afternoon. So if you remember when Greg and Thomas were talking on the phone, they were talking about switching over to the east side, and so now 
with that information, now a West Side branch has has since been robbed. And this dialogue that the newscaster talks about, now that I've gone back and looked at it again, it's been now six years, I guess, since I wrote this. You're talking about a guy that's impersonating a cop that continues to rob a bank. So first of all, they're going to have camera footage. They're going to know exactly who this person is. If you cop comes up and shows you a badge and wants to go behind, you know, the teller line or back toward the vault, you would think they would say, okay, this has happened every day in the last four or five days. Maybe we should be a little leery of this. None of that was apparently brought into consideration when I was writing this. And so, um, there's, you know, some plot holes there if you're, if you're, uh, keeping track, but, um, says that they're continuing to gain access by asking to see the... Okay, that's what I wrote. So I wrote that they are wanting to get back there to look at security logs so they can see who's been in and out, that type of thing. Like, they're investigating the robberies. But as they are let back there, again, they are robbing the bank of, you know, money from the vault and that sort of thing. So, again, and this time I put that they stole $16,000 in cash. So kind of doing it quietly, but... uh, you know, I tried to write in little things, and this is all being exposition from a newscaster that you're supposed to be learning all of this, that this is how they're able to rob the bank continuously over and over again. But again, the whole point of all of that was that this time it was a West Side branch being robbed, and you were supposed to remember from the previous convers- or previous scene where Thomas and Grade were talking that they were talking about moving stuff to the East Side. So that, again, would hopefully kind of start stirring people's minds and you know get them thinking about when they're watching this so um as that continues to talk again i have the camera panning out um you're seeing the woman laying there in bed again the badge is sitting on the nightstand again but this time i had the camera pan out even farther to show next to her on the bed some um, crinkled up blankets you know like a pillow looking like someone had uh, been sleeping there and so at this point you're supposed to think Okay, so maybe she's not alone, um, type of a type of a thing. And then I have that fading out as the newscast ends and moves on to something else, and it moves on to the next scene. So the next scene follows up just like the last one did, where it ended uh, with that bedroom scene. Is that it picks up again with uh, the split screen of the two men talking on their cell phones. Thomas is talking about stationing patrol officers every four blocks outside of retail districts that have banks from the southwest to the southeast side. Um, and so he's he's kind of repeating this information, or he's, he, again, he's telling it to the audience, you know, by by saying it into the cell phone. And then it cuts across to a shot of Greg talking on his cell phone, and he is saying, they're doing everything they can to keep us guessing and to throw us off. They know exactly where to go and when, and we need to start covering the wide areas with as many people as we've got. And we're going to start with the south side because we believe that that's where they're going to go next. And so at this point, it leans a little more toward Greg talking like a cop. Um, when he first started talking about them doing everything they can to keep us guessing and throw us off, you might have thought, was he talking about the cops, you know, and he's speaking as a robber or vice versa. And at that point, that that second part of his dialogue there kind of makes you lean a little more toward, okay, maybe Greg's talking more like a cop in this sense. At that point, I have uh, them discussing that. Really nothing else is said, I think, at that point. I just have them... Uh, yeah, I have them hanging up the phone, and it fades to black at that point. So it probably about a forty-five second scene once you if you put a timer on that. So um, again, just it's really exposition. It's the characters telling us what's going on and trying to reveal a little more about themselves and in, in the uh, by the use of split screen, like uh, they're talking on cell phones to each other. So the next shot then picks up, and it's another bedroom scene. 
5.59, hit 6 o'clock, here comes the newscaster. And this is a real, I had this being kind of a, you know, d- fades in, fades out type of a thing. So the newscaster comes on and says, another robbery, this time at the northwest side branch. The suspect again showed a badge, and then it fades out. Um, just a real quick uh, scene there, just not regurgitating anything else from the other two times. But uh, if you paid attention there, it said the newscaster said they struck the northwest side. And in the previous scene, when Greg and Thomas were talking about it, Greg said something about we need to focus on the south side because we think that's where they're going to go next. So obviously he was wrong. Um, he focused south. They went north. So makes you start to think, you know, whatever Greg's wanting to do, obviously, is always the wrong thing. So is he, you know, how is how are they getting tipped off? How do they know what move he's going to make? And apparently Greg is in charge of all of the cops when it comes to bank robberies. <laughs> you know, he's the lead detective. I have no idea. We didn't, you know, it's not hashed out exactly what position he is in the police department. You're just supposed to think that he's a cop. And, and at this point, assume he's talking to Thomas every time he's on the cell phone and saying, you know, this is what we got to do. And, and uh, this is where we need to, to station people. So at this point, I would think anybody listening or anybody watching the film would think that, okay, Greg is most likely a cop. Thomas, you're really not too sure about. You see, you've seen him with a badge. You know that uh, when you know whenever I show the split screens of them talking, it appears that they're talking to each other. Greg will say something, and Thomas kind of repeats it back. Um, that's what you're kind of supposed to see as you're, as you're uh, watching the film or hearing it. Uh, so the next shot is a split screen of uh, both men back in their apartment. It's the morning time again. Um, you know, we've just heard on the newscast that another one got robbed. Greg's talking about he just can't understand it. It's like they know. He says, we can't mess around anymore. This has to end. Thomas says, what's the plan? And so it cuts away from that shot then to an exterior shot of the uh, outside their apartments and we have both men walking out the door and leaving, and they begin walking away, and at this time we don't cut away to a different, um, completely different scene. This cuts then to a full screenshot of a sidewalk outside of um, what you assume would be outside of their apartments, but you have both men, this time in the same shot, it's not a split screen, walking toward each other. They're both on their phones, they're both talking to somebody, and they walk right past each other. And so, and I'm sorry, I forgot when they were leaving that, leaving their apartments in that split screen shot before they were both on their phones. And so as this next shot continues, it's now a full screen shot. They're walking toward each other on a sidewalk. They're both still on their phones. They walk right past each other as they continue talking. So at this point, that's supposed to be the big reveal that they're not talking to each other. They have no idea who each other, they don't know each other. Now, Greg doesn't know Thomas. The police officer does not know Thomas. As they walk by, I have this little, I wrote in here to have a little shot of Thomas kind of looking over his shoulder and giving a smirk because he knows exactly who that is. He knows that's Greg. And Greg is actually at this point, and this is where I'll give some reveal, I guess, because at that point when you see that, you're supposed to think that is where um, you learn that these guys don't know each other. They haven't been talking to each other this entire time. That is, that's the big reveal, basically. That's the big payoff. Um, and so at that point, Greg is talking to his partner. He's going over, this is what we're going to do type of a thing. And Thomas is obviously getting that information relayed to him. That is the way that I assume people would understand it. And I hope that they would be able to see it. So 
If it makes no sense to you listening to me tell this, that's because, again, this was a jumbled mess. This was my first story from start to finish. Um, but I'm trying to tell it to you with it, trying to hit on all the details and tell it in the most um, cohesive sense as I can. Um, trying to tell you the story without pointing out every little detail that I thought, you know, people should be able to see as as they're watching it or as they're hearing it. But um, that's that was kind of the big reveal at that point. The next scene really then is meant to explain what just happened at that point because now everybody knows those two guys don't know each other. Greg is the cop, um, so who is Thomas and you know what's going on? Everyone's going to assume okay, Thomas is the uh, is the bank robber. So then the next scene picks up. It is the morning. The it's in the bedroom, you know, the 559. So we get more exposition from our uh, newscaster and she's talking about another robbery that had just occurred. And this time it was one of the police officers there stationed on duty. So at this point they got police officers at the, at the bank. So, because realistically in my mind, that's what would start happening when you have five, six robberies in a row. Um, but what I put in here happened and reading this back now makes no sense to me. And I don't know if this made it into the final film, but there was going to be a shift change at one of the banks. Um, so the officer that was there on duty, another officer came in and said they knew when the shift change was going to be. And they said, Hey, I'm here to relieve you. You're off. I'm on. Well, this was our bank robber who's been impersonating the police officer. Now you would think, do all of them know each other? You know, should they all know each other? Um, again, there's video of the person that most likely that has robbed this bank, you know, in the real world. So wouldn't they know that, Hey, that's the guy that's been impersonating police officer. Again, none of that was addressed during (laughs) this. And so I don't even know if this made it into the final, final cut of the movie, but that was how this one happened was that he now knew that there was going to be a shift change. So he went in, relieved that officer. And while that officer left, he proceeded then, um, the person that relieved him was the bank robber and proceeded to get another, you know, $20,000 or whatever from the vault and then slid out the back through an emergency exit is what I put in here in the new story. So that was how that robbery happened. (laughs) And at that point we then, um, I think I put that it fades out to show the woman again, laying there in the bed, the badge is there. And then at that point I put this is real artistic filmmaking here. You know, I talk about a sliver of light all of a sudden kind of appears on her face from like an opening door somewhere. And I put, I think that it was the bathroom door and you see somebody walk out. Um, you can tell it's a man. And eventually we pan out wide to show that that man is Greg, the police officer. And he grabs his badge off the table, gives the woman a kiss, walks out the door, you know, as if he's getting ready to, to go to work. And, the newscaster fades back in. Apparently that never shut off. I don't know how that would have worked in the film, but the newscaster cuts back in and she says, local authorities now believe that the suspect has been working with someone inside the police department, tipping him off, letting him know every move that the bureau was going to make and blah, blah, blah. And so an internal investigation has been launched and all of that. And it, it fades out at that point. So that confirms that, um, they feel like they've got somebody inside tipping them off. So if they haven't figured that out to this point, wow. But, um, so (laughs) I didn't have the radio being clicked off by the person, uh, next to the, Oh, okay. That's where I had it revealed that it was Greg. And so that's where, uh, you learn that that's who he is. He gets up, he gets ready to leave. I put the music starts to play as the camera kind of, you know, fades out and, and, uh, we've learned that, you know, it's somebody working on the inside. And then I have the woman laying there, I have this big, you know, stylistic, uh, as music starts playing, you know, kind of hit a loud, 
um, hard note, you know, and her eyes pop open and she kind of gives a grin and then we cut to the credits as you're hearing that they believe someone is now working with them. Um, somebody is on the inside with the police department, um, tipping off the robbers and her eyes open and she kind of gives a grin and it cuts to the credits. And so that was the big reveal. So if you're completely lost right now, I understand to sum it all up for you, what it ended up being was you got these two guys, you're supposed to think they're partners. They're both police officers at the beginning. They're dealing with a robber who keeps being one step ahead of them all the way through. There's these shots coming in and out of this woman laying in bed with a badge sitting next to her. You assume maybe is she a police officer. When you learn there's somebody on the inside, you think is she a police officer on the inside tipping somebody off. At the very end, it's revealed that she is Greg's whatever, you know, wife, girlfriend. I don't know. I don't know how I wrote it. Um, and then I have an ending credit scene that wraps all of this up and actually shows some of the, some of this happening. So, you know, if anybody was confused or even if they figured it all out, I assume they were probably too dumb to figure it out. So I had to wrap it all up in an ending credit scene, which really is the worst way to do things, but that's what I had to do at this point. And so it, the ending credit scene was supposed to show, you know, those split screenshots where we see Greg sitting there eating breakfast, talking on his cell phone. Well, he is actually talking to his partner at that point, And they're talking about, you know, what moves are we going to make to try and make sure that, you know, this, that we can stay, that we can catch the robbers, you know, and, and deal with this, but they're always one step ahead of us. Well, the shot is from the bedroom and shows him out in the kitchen talking to his partner. And while you see the woman, and I think I named her Jennifer, you never really, she doesn't have any lines, you never uh, know her name, but she is in the bedroom listening to everything he's saying, and pretty soon, pretty soon you see her flip open a cell phone. Now, why she couldn't do this until after Greg left, I don't know if she, why she does it while he's still there, but she flips open a cell phone and she calls Thomas at that point and is sharing the information with him, who Thomas obviously in the end is the person robbing the banks and he is getting all of the information of what the police are going to do. And so he's always one step ahead of them. And it is because Jennifer is sharing that information with him. So that's the big reveal. And then I think I have one final split screenshot kind of to match the beginning where she was entering one apartment and leaving the other. Well, as she's leaving the apartment, you see her saying goodbye to Greg. And when she's going into another apartment, she opens the door and there's Thomas standing there and they kind of embrace and that sort of thing. So it kind of ends up being the love triangle portion of all of it. But in the end, that's that's how it all worked out. What she was tipping off um, Thomas, who was then robbing the banks and Greg just couldn't figure out how they were always one step ahead. It was actually her who was doing all of the um spilling the secrets so that was dirty pool <laughs> my very first from beginning to end short film that i wrote and it's obviously not anywhere near perfect it's not even good i don't think but it was my first and it was what i wanted to start this podcast out with because it's all about the story it's all about your inspiration it's your path to telling the story in the end it's not always going to be about was the story good, was the story bad. What I enjoy is just the process of telling it and hearing the ideas of why did you make this decision or why did you make that character this way or what was the, you know, as I've said, what is the inspiration behind it? That's the stuff I'm interested in. So that is kind of what I envision each episode to be. Obviously this one, you know, the first half of it was a lot of talking about um, you know, kind of my background and why I wanted to create a podcast like this going forward. And I do have a guest lined up for uh, episode two. So we were going to hear his 
um, his story on a, uh, I believe it's a screenplay that he uh, he's written. And so we're going to hear that story. We're going to hear his inspiration behind it. And that's going to be the makeup of all episodes going forward. You know, and that's what we'll do, kind of what I did here. It'll be a lot better because you won't just hear me talking. Obviously, there'll be a couple voices, which is going to be great. Uh, be a nice little change up. But we're going to um, just discuss their story and their inspiration behind it. And, and uh, hopefully it'll be entertaining. And so, like I said, that'll do it for the first episode. Um Please, if you want to be on the show, like I said, reach out to me, social media, email, any of that. Just let me know, hey, I've got a story. I want to be on the show, and I will get back with you, and we'll set up a time that works great for everybody. And uh, like I said, you know, if you've got a microphone, that'll be perfect. If you've got a smartphone, um, we can definitely make that work. And so, you know, we will get up a set, we will get a time set up, and uh, you know, get it recorded. So. Thank you very much for listening. That is the first episode. I do have episode two lined up, so I know there's at least going to be a second one. And uh, hopefully if you all enjoyed this, you know, there'll be there'll be many more to come. So um, follow me on social media, any of those. Um, you search Get It Greenlit. I think all of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all um, slash Get It Greenlit. So you can uh, find them there. Like I said, I will include links to all of them in the description. So if you enjoyed the show, leave your comments, you know, any comments on Dirty Pool? Is there's anything that you're still confused about that you want to know? If you want to tell me it sucked, I really don't care. You know, put a comment down there and let's talk about it. And uh, if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends, your family, coworkers, anybody that you know you enjoy discussing movies with or you think that would enjoy this. You know, share it with them. And and uh, if they have an idea, you know, really really encourage them to uh, contact me and and get on the show and and you know let's hear their story because in the end like I said that's what I want to do I I'm interested in your story and your your idea and I want to hear it so thank you again for listening and we'll see you all next time <laughs>